It's Wednesday night. You know what it is. It's about to be lit. It's about to be lit. It's about to be lit. Welcome to the Freak Show. Fasten your seatbelts. It's going to be a bumpy night. You're listening to Chats with the Freak on Unrestricted Radio. Now! What's up, everybody? Welcome back to Chats with the Freak. My name is Emmy. I'm super stoked this week. I have Jimmy from The Lonely Ones. And if you're familiar with my podcast, my photography, MSU Media, anything like that, you know that I'm a big fan of The Lonely Ones. I was a big fan of Boba Flex. I had his fellow partner Marty McCoy on the podcast last year, and I'm super stoked to have Jimmy on almost a year later to the date. Uh, Jimmy and all the guys in The Lonely Ones have been doing this awesome project, been grinding it out even through all the pandemic stuff, and they're actually hitting the road again in March and April, and actually playing a show with Korazik, who you know we love over here on the on Chats with the Freak, uh, April 2nd at Dingbats. I am going to be putting a link in the description if you are in the tri-state area and you want to come hang out. I will be at that show for whatever it's worth, whether that's a good thing or a bad thing. And I'm going to put the, a link in the description. You can buy tickets straight from Korazik and the proceeds go to the band. So if you could please help them out and give them a shout out and come see some awesome live music. I mean, we were stuck in the house for two years. Let's fucking go. Um, so yeah, I hope you guys enjoy this chat with Jimmy and I hope you guys enjoy their new song, The Way Out. Hello. Hello, this is Jimmy. Hey Jimmy, how are you doing? How are you doing today? I'm doing well. Doing good, doing good. Sorry, I had to like skate out of work real quick. I was like, wait, if you, I didn't know if we were still doing it too. I just wanted to make sure before I like dipped out on my break. Uh, but oh, yeah, okay, thank yeah, you yeah. so much for working with me to do this. I really appreciate it. Yeah, no problem at all. Definitely, definitely. So obviously, I have met you through the Instagram world after I shot um, the Lonely Ones in Columbus last summer. Um, that was a great show over at Newport. Um, thank and you. I, yeah, that was a great night. You guys were with Co-op, and I believe Sunflower is dead. It was such a great show, and I, I definitely did not regret making the trip out for that. Well, thank you so much. We're actually going to be back at the Newport uh, on April 16th. That's awesome. No, that's really cool. Yeah, that's a, such a great venue. I When I lived in Ohio, I had shot so many shows there. Um, like over the years, like Steel Panther, and uh, I think I saw uh, Seven Dust there with Sharia Monty and other other different acts and stuff. So it was really cool kind of seeing you guys there and kind of being back in a familiar photo pit from my perspective. Yeah, yeah, that's such a great place. It's I don't know if it's the longest running or one of the longest running uh, rock clubs in America. The whole there's a lot of history in that place. Yeah, you can feel it, like, the minute you walk in, it just feels like one of those, like, venues that has been there forever, you know, and there's a lot of history that's been roaming those walls. Without a doubt. Without a doubt. You're right. For sure, for sure. So, um, I know you guys have a couple dates coming up, um, kind of soon, I guess-ish, coming up in April, um, one of which actually with Cor Rosick, who is a camp I work with and also my boyfriend's band, um, in New Jersey at uh, Dingbats. Um, what yep. other dates do you guys have coming up? 
Uh, we've got two before then, which is, uh, let's see, one's in Mankato, Minnesota, and one is opening for Blacktop Mojo in uh, Watertown, South Dakota. And They're then after people. that, yeah, yeah, right? Yeah, I'm, I'm really excited to, uh, to play with them. Um, and then, yeah, after the show on uh, April 2nd at Dingbats, we've got a string of playing, like, every weekend all through April. Uh, I'm not going to be able to rattle them all off off the top of my head, but right. they're all – they're all Midwest. Um, a lot of shows with our friends in September morning. Um, so if you're, you know, if you're listening to this and you're living in the Midwest somewhere, go ahead and check our dates out at thelonelyones.net. Um, and then around the 22nd, 23rd, we have a band jump on with us called Magnolia Bayou. Um, boys from down south, uh, and they're actually meeting up with us and taking us down into their territory down in around the Gulf. So we're going through. Uh, Nashville, uh, Memphis, into like Huntsville, Alabama, then down all the way to, I think, um, Ocean Springs, Mississippi, stuff like that. So I'm really excited right. to, get to go down that way. Yeah, that's awesome. I find it cool that bands kind of, um, at the level that you guys are at, you kind of have pockets of fan bases. And it's always really cool to kind of jump on with other bands that have like a bigger fan base in whatever area that it is. Like you said, they, they have a bigger fan base, obviously, down south because that's where they're from, and you guys are more known, like, kind of up north. So it's always cool to kind of have that balance when you're touring with bands and doing weekends and stuff like that. Yeah, I've always found it really interesting the way that, you know, this pocket of, you know, the music industry works. And I think that that is even, you know, more so uh, – specific to, like, I guess you, you would say, like, rock, alternative, stuff like that, where, you know, a band can be playing, you know, thousands of years and selling them out and then go maybe 500 miles away, and maybe they're worth 70 to 150 people in a, you know, in a pool hall. It's a really interesting, right. it's a really interesting kind of balancing act of who's big where, who's not big in a certain area, and, you know, figuring out how to best utilize what you've got in front of you. Right. Yeah, definitely. That's something I've noticed a lot, oddly enough, with Steel Panther. Seeing them in so many different markets and seeing how in, like, a Cincinnati or a Pittsburgh, they're selling these huge venues out. And then you go to another market. I can't think of an example off the top of my head, but they're playing, like, a smaller club in, like, Indiana. And it's just kind of weird to me to see those, how that works, not only with them, but with other acts and how – so you can be pocketed so much with different um, markets. And even if you're not, like, from there, it's just you're more known there, if that makes sense. Yeah. I think part of that, too, is that uh, rock and, you know, it's it's offshoots, even, you know, going out as far as, like, indie. Um, basically, I think anything that is guitar-based music, um, you're kind of forced or you choose to go out and tour a lot earlier in your career than other artists do. Um, you know, when, if you look at, like, um, you know, hip-hop or dance music, uh, even whatever you would call, you know, just top music, like uh, Tones and I and all that, that kind of new stuff, um, you don't see you don't see those artists going out and touring before they've had a smash-huge single. Um, whereas, you know, in, as a rock band, you really have to go out and tour for a year or two before you even really have a shot at anything. Um, so I think that's just kind of the, the difference between the genres as a whole that, you know, maybe a, you know, for example, to give a, 
a far out example, like Taylor Swift, if she was touring in 2005 or 2007 or something like that, she might be playing for small crowds here, big crowds there. But because she had so many huge albums in a row, she's just going to sell out every arena or every stadium. Exactly. If you're not, it's one of those weird things, like once you hit that mark, it's kind of like you skyrocket. I I found that a lot watching a lot of, um, I'm a big 90s grunge fanatic, and watching Hmm. a lot of how like some of those Seattle bands kind of came up, they went from playing small clubs in Seattle like the Crocodile to like 50 people to like Nirvana playing to these huge like stadiums and being at like Lollapalooza and stuff like that. So like it's crazy to me like how how like the jump can be and how certainly you said certain genres you don't necessarily have to tour those smaller markets sometimes it just ends up happening and there's i feel like there's no rhyme or reason to it even if somebody says there is yeah well that that, that, it's funny you bring those up that was something i was thinking of was that i grew up uh just south of seattle um in the late 90s and the 2000s i was kind of in the post-grunge era as i was becoming you know aware of music around me um and I remember, you know, when I was, like, 16 or 17, trying to sneak into clubs and seeing old framed posters of, say, Nirvana opening up for a local band that was still a local band in 2009 when I, you know, when I was going to shows or started going to shows. So it was, it was interesting to see, these, you know, a band like Nirvana or a band like uh, Soundgarden skyrocket past a band like uh, the Melvins or Mud Honey, or to get even more obscure, obscure a band like Girl Trouble out of that area. Um, that, you know, that they were the top dogs in 1988 or 1990. And just, you know, something hit. I don't know if they just had the right look, but next thing you know, those, you know, those bands couldn't even play in the same venues. They were too big. Yeah, exactly. And it, it's weird. Like, I find that, like, every kind of era because if you look at like some tour posters from the I guess like mid to late 70s a lot of the bands that we know today like a not Metallica but like a Jewish Priest or a Deep Purple they were all opening for bands like Blue Oyster Cult and now Blue Oyster Cult's kind of become this little like niche like club act and Deep Purple still playing like pavilions and stuff so it's weird to me to see how over time bands either shoot up or down and it kind of varies on the time period too. Yeah, and and you'll you know if, if a band in that was big in 1978 uh, maybe has a string of like one or two less than stellar albums commercially, uh, you know they'll fall down that bill and then they'll pick it right back up if you know if they put out another smash, you know seven years after the first one, they'll you know you can watch you can almost see that happen in like uh, some of the old Monsters of Rock posters, mm-hmm. um, you know from whatever 1980 into the 90s. Um, I think ACDC at one point had, like, fallen down on the bill. I forget what year it was, but then they were the headliner again in 1991 because of Razor's Edge. Yeah, it's it's just weird how the music industry works and kind of getting back to, like, bands like you guys, how touring sometimes helps that by gaining fans in certain markets and gaining – I guess, I guess sometimes if you tour, like, you do your first, like, big tour, and then you go back to the markets that you kind of got fans from to begin with, but I feel like sometimes some bands, not necessarily you guys, but, like, 
some other bands have a tendency to just focus on those markets and not try to kind of branch out of that, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, that's I, – I know plenty of acts like that that are, you know, more more satisfied with, you know, perfecting what they've already got as opposed to rolling a dice and, you know, going out and, you know, making little to no money somewhere else trying to grow. Um, and that's not really how I want to do it or how we've operated. You know, we're, we're constantly trying to update how we're, how we're looking at touring because it is the, the majority of your income comes through touring. So you've got to mm-hmm. find that balance of how to maximize that, but at the same time, not cost yourself future opportunities. So you got to, you got to find the balance between making it a loss leader and making it your main source of income. Yeah, exactly. And I find that balance is kind of kind of hard, especially for newbies that don't necessarily know what what to expect or what the right way is to do certain things going into touring and trying to make that a lifestyle is, is definitely not for the um, faint of heart. <laughs> no, no, it's not. I've seen it make a lot of uh, a lot of grown men cry. Same, same. I've been a touring photographer for probably five years now, I think, and it's been yeah. – I've seen a lot of grown men just break down, and I'm just like, oh, okay. <laughs> I guess this is, yeah, I guess maybe this wasn't for you after all. Yeah, it's like everyone thinks it's all, like, rock, like all parties and, like, women, but at the end of the day, it's sometimes late loadings and annoying Taco Bell <laughs> Yeah, I just, you know, I've, I've seen the sun – come up more times when I've stayed up when I have getting up early. Uh, yeah. You, know, you spend a lot of time behind the wheel driving yourself or, you know, whatever the case may be. It's just, you know, it, it stacks up on, you know, it stacks up on you. It, it can definitely be tough sometimes, but overall it's not really that hard, I don't think. I think no, I, I think if you have way. a method to your madness, it definitely works out a lot better if you go into it with a game plan as opposed to, oh, yeah. we'll figure it out when we yeah. get there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. And you guys, I feel like, obviously t- making the transition from Boba Flex to the Lonely Ones obviously had a little bit of knowledge kind of going into that, too. Yeah, yeah. They, You know, a lot changed over, you know, COVID, but the the broad – the broad strokes of the, you know, the the rhyme and reason behind touring, you know, they're not changing that quickly. So we just we just kind of, you know, put a pin in everything and waited for the world to open back up. And when it did, we just did what we already knew how to do. And, if, you know, if anything, I think, you know, us waiting it out made it better for us because a, a, lot, a lot of other bands decided that it wasn't really worth it and they went and got jobs. So it seems like there's yeah. overall less touring acts than there was three years ago, four years ago. I've definitely noticed that as well. I know at least the I can speak from the photography part of it that I've had a lot of friends kind of hang up the camera over the pandemic. Like, no, I don't want to do this anymore. It, it sucks. Yeah. I, I know the pandemic definitely affected a lot of people mentally, physically, and put a lot of people's, I guess, priorities into perspective. But I, it, it sucks to kind of see people just be like, nope, I'm not doing this anymore. This has been, for whatever reason, this isn't what they want to do now, you know? Yeah. Yeah, it's, you know, I I remember having the thought really early on how many bands were going to fold or how many bands were going to have major member switches, if nothing else, because, you know, the touring is, is not necessarily a game of dudes in their early 20s anymore like it was. You, 
you know, it's a lot more weighted towards, you know, people older than older than I, you know, people well into their 30s or 40s or whatever. And those guys a lot of times will have kids or they'll have long-term relationships. And, you know, maybe they get home and they get that sense of stability and realize how much they like waking up and seeing their kid and their girlfriend or their wife every day. And they like having a more consistent paycheck in their pocket. And they might decide that it's really not for them. They don't like the, the unpredictability of touring. Um, and I, I think I saw that happen a lot. You know, you, you see a lot more bands now that maybe have one or two guys different from late 2019, for example. Exactly. I know a lot of the bands that I, I work with or I'm friends with had a lot of uh, member changes and are, are still kind of dealing with some rockiness even in 2022 going into touring, potentially ramping fully back up again. So yeah. it's it's definitely been, um, I think, rough on everybody, but I'm at least starting to see a little bit of a light at the end of the tunnel from, from all yeah. of us, and that makes me happy. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I, I agree. I definitely, uh, I don't have any intention of not touring and not playing shows anytime soon. Uh, so seeing the world open back up has been has been pretty nice as far as I'm concerned. I hope that it continues to trend the direction it is trending. Exactly. I feel the same way, man. So obvious, the Lonely Ones kind of came out during the pandemic in kind of a weird way. Um, I know you guys dropped Eternal Sadness and The Lonely One in 2020, and then have released a variety of other singles since then. Um, I, I think it, you guys kind of went at it in a good tactic by not really releasing an album, by just releasing a bunch of singles. Um, but that's just my opinion. Do you guys have any new-ish releases in the can that you can talk about? Yeah, actually. Uh, the 25th of this month, February. I'm not sure what day you're going to air this uh, this interview or put, put out anything with it, but... Um, the 25th of February, we're putting out our new single, The Way Out, um, which is a song we we recorded a uh, better part of a year ago. It was it was before we were touring, um, and it's I'm I'm it's one of my favorite songs we've got. And I know people say that about every song, but I've been saying this for you know a year and change now. I think it's one of the better songs we've ever had. Um, and so yeah, that'll be coming out here in what is that like two weeks from now, something like that. Roughly, yeah. Uh, yeah, February 25th. Uh, it'll be available everywhere. We're going to, uh, we're going to see, you know, see how it, how it charts and how it sells and all that and make a decision on when we'll release the next one after it. But so far, the, you know, everybody seems to really like that song that has heard it. And it's been a kind of a live favorite as well. That's awesome. I'm really excited to hear it and check it out. Yeah, thank you. And I'll definitely be linking all of that information if you're listening to this on any of my streaming. I will put all the links for the social medias and stuff in the description so you can all check out everything The Lonely Ones. And I'm super excited to see you guys at Dingbats in April. That's going to be a really rad show. Yeah, yeah. I'm excited for that. It's going to be a lot of fun. Well, thank you so much for uh, dealing with my vocal issues this week, Jimmy. I really appreciate your time. <laughs> I, you did great. Thank you so much. <laughs> Thanks, man. Have a great rest of your day. Have a good one. Thank you. Bye.